Hey, what's up, everybody? My name's MJ, and you're listening to the MTG in Quarantine Podcast. As usual, before we begin, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to my local game store, Guardian Games. You can find Guardian Games on the web at ggportland.com. I'd also like to utilize this opportunity to give a huge shout-out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over at patreon.com slash Quarantine. It's a huge round of thank yous to Mr. Big Benz, Anomaly, Nick S., Frugal Brutal, Jen of the Filthy MTG Casuals, and Coach J-Row for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash Quarantine for more information. And you can pick up your very own MTG in Quarantine brand and playmat over at Inked Gaming. That's I-N-K-E-D Gaming.com. Two awesome versions, both the full color logo as well as the grayscale version. They both look killer. You're going to want one for you and all of your friends for this holiday season. And again, that is Inked Gaming. That's I-N-K-E-D Gaming.com. Every purchase supports the channel and it's greatly appreciated. Today's episode of the podcast is the third in the series of the non-basic land cycles episodes that I've done here in Wooberg order. And of course, that leads us to the third episode, and that is Mono Black. Mono Black is known for paying life, for resources, for creature recursion, and just for a whole bunch of really nasty but really, really good effects. And again, uh, if, if you've been listening to this series before, which I hope you have been, if you have not, definitely go check out the episodes I've done on white non-basic lands and blue non-basic lands you can find on the podcast listing. Anyway, I have a piece of criteria here that I will not be talking about any lands that are dual-sided. I mean, I will talk about the modal dual-phase cards from Zendikar Rising, but I will not talk about uh, any cards that are like dual lands, so... These would be uh, things like uh, the Baldur's Gate gate cards that, you know, tap for one man of any color or another color based on what you choose. Uh, I mostly just want to talk about the actual lands that produce only a black mana on them. So no dual lands, no, you know, pick your own color type lands, just lands that produce a single black mana when tapped, or, you know, obviously more, because black is full of those. But, again, j- j- just to make it easy on myself, I'm going to just cover those that, uh, you know, have a black activated ability or, you know, great great black mana. So, without further ado, I'd like to get started here with a modal dual face card. That is Agadim's Awakening, slash Agadim the Undercrypt. Obviously, this is a land cycle from Zendikar Rising where they had a spell on one side and a land on the other side that would enter the battlefield tapped unless you paid three life and would create a one man of it of that color. Agadim's Awakening is a sorcery costing X black, 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 reads return from your graveyard to the battlefield any number of target creature cards that each have a different converted mana cost X or less. It's a very nice way to be able to recur a bunch of creatures. Obviously, if you're trying to get more than two or three out there, it's going to cost a lot of mana. And obviously, you're going to want a lot of creatures with different mana costs, and they have to be under X. So, again, you're probably going to want to do this for about three or four. But again, the fact that you can get a creature from the graveyard to the battlefield is really nice, especially when it's stapled right to a land. There's a reason why this card is, you know, $15 right now, because it's really good. I think it's easy to play in multiple formats. It's just a really good card. Next up, we have Baron Moor, which is the cycle of lands where they come in battlefield tapped. You can tap to add black, or you can cycle for a single black, and cycling, discarding the card, you draw a card. So I really like running these lands. I know I've mentioned this before on this series, but I really like these lands because, again, early in the game, they give you 
the mana color you need. But later in the game, if you draw it and it's a dead card in your hand, unlike a basic land, you can at least pay one. You can cycle this away before your turn, draw a card, and hopefully find something you need. So I really enjoy these cycling lands, especially the ones that cost a single mana of the color that they produce because they are some easy flood protection for later on in the game when you hopefully need some, or when you likely need something else than a land. So I, I really enjoy these cards. Next one up is another modal dual face card from Zendikar Rising, but this one is a creature. And that is Black Boom Rogue slash Black Boom Bog. Man, that's hard to say. Um, the Rogue is a 2-3 human rogue with menace and has gets plus 3 plus 0 oh, as long as an opponent has 8 or more lands in their graveyard. Very nice little effect. You can get a 5-3 if you've been doing some milling or if your opponents are doing some sort of self-mill strategy or just, you know, later on in the game. It's nice to have a 5-3 with menace for 3. It's really nice. This card is 10 cents if you're interested in picking it up. So it does take a little bit of work to get it online, but... You know, the fact that it gives you a 2-3 evasive creature plus a land on the other side, and, and, and yeah, this is a land that does come in onto the battlefield tap no matter what you do. There's no way to pay life. But again, the fact that it has that modality is real nice. So I think, I think this is definitely a nice card to have if you're just looking for another body or if you're just playing in a super budget deck, so $50 or under. It's nice to have an evasive creature with a land on the other side. Next one up here is Blighted Fen. It is a land from Battle for Zendikar, so it's quite a few years old now already. So it has a tap ability to add one colorless to your mana pool, but you can pay four and a black and tap this, sacrifice Blighted Fen, and target opponent sacrifices a creature. A little bit expensive for this kind of effect. It's a very, very cheap card, but again, a very interesting way to be able to do things. Mono, the mono black lands have a lot of very unique abilities to do interesting things. And Blighted Fen is definitely well overcosted. Is you know you never know when have, forcing an, an opponent to sacrifice a creature might be useful. Now again, are you going to pay six mana for that? Probably not. But again, it's some interesting modality to have available, especially in, in Jumpstart 2022, where again, if you don't necessarily have something to do with all your mana, it's nice to be able to force your opponent to be able to sacrifice something. So interesting card. Maybe not the most playable, quote-unquote, in Commander, but again, it definitely has has some home, especially in if you're playing someone with a Voltron deck or just need to set, force someone to sacrifice a creature to get some sort of ability to trigger. You know, And the fact you can play it at instant speed is pretty nice. So, yeah, j just a very interesting, interesting utility land, something that I could definitely see a lot of people playing. Next card is Bog Wreckage. Obviously comes into play tapped. Add black your mana pool, or you can tap and sacrifice it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. These cards all came out in Odyssey. They're cycled. They do the same thing. This is just the mono black one. Next up here is one is a card that I've been hit with way too many times, and that is Bojuka Bog. Bojuka Bog enters the battlefield tapped, and when it enters the battlefield, exile target player's graveyard. This is a great way to just hose the graveyard player. And it's virtually impossible to, to interact with because it is a land. It's not a spell. And the fact it comes in tap really isn't all that important because, it, I mean, the fact that you're able to get the Tormod's Crypt effect off of this just when it ETBs is real nice. And like I said, the fact that you can't really interact with it too much, it's it, it, this is just a really good card. And honestly, goes in a lot of black decks, even if it really doesn't necessarily help you 
it's kind of a nice utility land to have just in your black decks, just in case someone across from you is playing a graveyard deck. Just really nice value to have. I'm going to skip Bottomless Vault because it just it's the cycle of cards with the storage counters, and you know you add you add storage counters and you remove them to add black to your mana pool. So there's one of these in every color, and there's really no point talking about this too much. So that leads us to probably the most busted cards in the, on this list, and that's going to start with Cabal Coffers. Cabal Coffers obviously is a very, very famous card, very expensive card, and up until the most recent reprints anyway. This card was getting up to about $80 consistently, and Cabal Coffers is a land that you pay two colorless and you tap it to add black for each swamp you control. Obviously, this combos really well with Urborg Tomb of Yawgmoth, so that all of your lands are swamps, but if you're playing in a mono-black deck, and yeah, it Cabal Coffers is just a broken card, honestly. It is great, especially if you're playing mono-black, or if you have Urborg on the battlefield and you have a lot of lands. So, again, it doesn't create mana by itself, so it requires a little bit of extra investment, but if you start having four, five, six swamps out there, all of a sudden Cabal Coffers gives you a huge boost. And we're going to see that here in, in, in a couple of extra cards, is that black really loves to accelerate your mana. There's a reason why mono black big mana is a very, very, very potent archetype in a lot of formats, and Cabal Coffers is a huge part of the reason why. Next up, we have the cycle of lands out of, another cycle of lands out of Odyssey, and that is Cabal Pit. These lands uh, tap to provide one mana of the color that they tap for, and they deal one damage to you. Which, again, in Commander's probably not going to be that big a deal. And they all come with Threshold. So, obviously, if you have uh, seven more cards in your graveyard, they have an alternate ability. This one, you pay black, and you tap, and you sacrifice Cabal Pit. Obviously, all, the, all of these cards in the cycle need to be sacrificed for this ability to go off. Target creature gets minus two, minus till, until end of turn. That's a really nice effect to have on a land, because, again, it not only gets around indestructible, but, again, minus two, minus two can actually hit quite a few cards in the format. There's also a CDH card, too, because there's a lot of creatures out there that only have two or less toughness, and the fact that you can kill one of them and get around indestructible is real, real nice. And, I mean, again, it costs you two mana, and you probably were using that land anyway previous turns. It's only This card is only 50 cents, so I really think that this is something where if you can find a good home for it, it's definitely worth the 50 cents you put into it. Now, I spoke about Cabal Coffers a moment ago being really good. Then there's Cabal Stronghold. This card is out of Dominaria. It's over about $6 right now in TCG Player. And you can tap it to add a colorless, which is something Cabal Coffers doesn't do. So that's what makes Cabal Stronghold a really nice alternative, especially in more budget decks. And again, if you pay three and you tap and you add black for each basic swamp you control. So it, it's basically a mini Cabal Coffers. It costs a little more. But it gives you the upside that you can play it immediately and tap it to add colorless mana too. So again, it goes these go well in the same decks, but it's also just really nice to have if you're in a mono black budget deck, or you know you just don't want to spend twenty dollars for a Cabal Coffers, where six dollars would be a whole lot more acceptable. That's what's really nice about Cabal Stronghold. So it's really nice card to have for a lot of a lot of different decks. I use it in a couple of my decks, and yeah, it takes a little bit of setup time. But, you know, come turn 7, 8, 9, it's really nice to be able to ramp yourself by a few extra lands. So I think it's a pretty good card. 
Next up, we have Castle Lockthwain, which is a cycle of lands out of Throne of Eldraine, and most recently reprinted in the Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate. And Castle Lockthwain enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a swamp. You tap to add a black, or you can pay one black, black, tap it, and draw a card, then you lose life equal to the number of cards in your hand. It's really nice to have the ability to be able to draw a card stapled onto a land. Obviously, it's going to cost you some life, but again, that's what black does. Uh, it, it obviously trades in cards for life as a resource, and the fact that you can you know, get a card off of one of your lands, even if it does cost four mana, is really nice if you just need a mana sink later on in the game. So... And, and the fact it comes in untapped if you already control a swamp is really nice. So it'll come in, most likely, especially if you're playing a mono black deck, it's going to come in untapped at some point. You can tap to add a black, and you can draw some cards. So it's just really nice utility to have. The price has come down a little bit, obviously. It's about 2 bucks if you want the original Throne of Eldraine version. The next one up is Crypt of Agadim. Crypt of Agadim enters the battlefield tapped. And again, it comes pretty much the same vein as Cabal Coffers and Cabal Stronghold. You can tap to add black to your mana pool, which is really nice because Cabal Coffers or Cabal Stronghold don't allow you to tap for black, you know, just as by itself anyway. There's an additional cost. Or in Cabal Stronghold, it's colorless. But Crypt of Agatheme also comes with a really nice ability where you can pay two and tap to add black to your mana pool for each black creature card in your graveyard. If you're doing any sort of self-mill strategy or you're just playing this later on in the game, you might have five, six, seven black creatures in your graveyard. All of a sudden, Crypt of Agadim, you know, for three mana investment, you might get seven mana back. And that's something Cabal Coffers might not even do or Cabal Stronghold might not even do. So if you're playing the right kind of deck, Crypt of Agadim is an amazing card. It's $5 if interest in picking up either the Zendikar or the Commander 2014 version. You're playing self mill though, and you can get around the battlefield tapped downside. It's a really nice land to have. Next up is another card that is a combo enabler and also very confusing unless you really dig into it. And that is Dakmore Salvage. Dakmore Salvage is a land that enters battlefield tapped. You can tap to add a black, but also might be the only land with the dredge mechanic. And if the dredge mechanic reads, if you would draw a card instead. You may put exactly two cards from the top of your library into your graveyard. If you do, return this card from your graveyard to your hand. Otherwise, draw a card. Really nice way to be able to self-mill yourself. And definitely combos with, famously, with the Gitrog monster. It's a very, very, very complicated CEDH deck, but very effective one. This is one of the key combo pieces for that. So you can basically discard this. You can mill this card. And then whenever you're going to draw a card, you can return it to your hand and mill instead of drawing a card as normal. So just an interesting way to be able to feed your graveyard stapled to a land. That's why this really works with Gitrog, because you can, if you have to play this, you can sacrifice it, put it in the graveyard, and start all over. So just a really nice utility land. Something that I've never really found a home for, but it has multiple printings, is under a buck. So if you're interested in self-mill of any kind, you have some discard synergies, you're just trying to get a bunch of cards in your graveyard, maybe for your Crypt of Agadim, let's say. Uh, definitely looking at Dakmar Salvage. Next up, we have the land from Hour of Devastation, the Desert Lands, and that is Desert of the Glorified. Enter the battlefield tap, tap to add black to your mana pool, and cycling for one and a black. Obviously, the, the ones that cycle for one of color of mana 
only are probably a lot better, but again, there are definitely some times where having a desert's really nice, especially if you're playing scavenger grounds and you're trying to exile everyone's graveyard. It's nice to be able to have another desert to sacrifice so you don't have to sacrifice your scavenger grounds to its own ability. So just something interesting to, to think about if you have any desert synergies or, you know, even if you just need to have a, a second mana cycler. Uh, it's definitely nice to have that, and they're super cheap. The next one we have up here is Even Stronghold. comes into play tapped. You can tap to add black to your mana pool, or you can tap and sacrifice it to add double black to your mana pool. It's one of these for each color, coming out of Fallen Empires, 5th Edition, etc., etc. They all do the same thing. No, no reason to really talk about that too much. Next one, we have another cycle of lands. You know, stop me if you've heard this one before, and that is Everglades. Enters the battlefield tapped. When it enters the battlefield, sacrifice unless you return untapped swamp to control to its owner's hand. Tap to add one black to mana pool. Each color has this version, so I'm not going to talk about it too much. Next one, we have another modal dual face card from Zendikar Rising. That is Hagra Mauling slash Hagra Brood Pit. Obviously, the Brood Pit comes to the battlefield tapped, and the Mauling is an instant. The spell costs one less to cast if an opponent controls no basic lands. You destroy a target creature. You know, it's it's a rare card. It's going to cost you four mana to destroy a target creature, which is probably more than you want to spend, but again, it has no, absolutely no downsides um, to it at all, unlike Doomblade or Murder. Well, actually, no, Murder works, but uh, if you're playing Doomblade or a lot, a lot of black kill spells have a downside is that they don't kill a black creature. So the Hagra Mauling definitely gets around that downside is that it just destroys target creature, and maybe occasionally you'll be able to pay three for this. But pretty much the going rate for a four-mana kill spell is also land. Not, not, not a terrible thing. Then we have Havengul Laboratory, which I believe, yeah, came out of the uh, Stranger Things secret lair and then was reskinned for... Uh, form for magic and it's a legendary land you tap to add a colorless mana you can pay four and tap it to investigate so you create a clue token uh, sacrifice the arts artifact draw a card in the beginning of your end step if you sacrifice three or more clues this turn which you know if you're playing this in clue decks really nice you can transform it, it turns into having ghoul mystery it's a legendary land with some really creepy art uh, when this land transforms into having ghoul mystery your turn target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield that's that's really nice when the creature put in on the battlefield with Having Ghoul Mystery leaves the battlefield, transform Having Ghoul Mystery back to the laboratory, and you can tap and pay one life to add black. So it's just a very interesting little recursive land. Uh, you can make some clues off of it. You can maybe add a little bit of mana. It, 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 it definitely needs to be in the right kind of deck to really shine, but it's definitely got some interesting synergy. The fact that you can make some some clue tokens off of this, and maybe be able to recur a creature from your graveyard. Has to be playing clues, but just interesting utility. Next one is a card from Adventures in the Forgotten Realms that is Hive of the Eye Tyrant. Um, if you control two of other lands, enters battlefield tap, tap, tap a black, or you can pay three and a black until under turn. Hive of the Eye Tyrant becomes a 3-3 black beholder creature with menace. And whenever this creature attacks, exile target card from defending player's graveyard. It's still a land. Modal cards like this, or you know, lands that have these sorts of abilities, are always nice. A three-three creature with menace has an evasive ability and the ability to be able to blow up um, a creature card from one of your opponents uh, from one of your opponent's graveyard. It's always nice, and and the fact that the land is is still really cool. So, j just some interesting utility there. It's a couple bucks if you want to pick this up for yourself. 
Next one, we have the black version of the Hideaway Lands. These, so the, when these lands comes into play, uh, you look at the top four cards of your library, remove one from the game face down, then put the rest on the, on the bottom of your library. You can tap that a black to your mana pool, or you can pay black and tap it. You may play the removed card without paying its mana cost if each player has no cards in hand. Probably going to be pretty hard to pull this off, because um, you need to make sure everyone is hellbent. But again, if you're playing, let's say, Tiny Bones, or you just play a lot of discard synergies, maybe. Maybe you can make everyone hellbent. I don't know. So just a very big downside. But again, if you can pull it off, these hideaway lands are great. So uh, a big learn. Uh, sorry, not big learning curve. Big curve to try to get this to work. But if you can get it to work, it does a really cool thing. All right. Now we have another card from Arvidus Station that worries about deserts. That is if near Deadlands. It's a desert where you can tap to add colorless to your mana pool, which is always really nice. You can tap and pay one life to add black to your mana pool, which, again, if you have life-paying synergies, it's really nice. Or if you just really need black, it's really nice to have that ability. It's no different than Cabal Pit. And an activated ability where if you pay two black black, you tap it and sacrifice the desert, including itself. Put two minus one minus one counters on target creature and opponent controls. Activate this ability only any time you cast a sorcery. Obviously, Deserts only came out in Hour of Devastation, so there's only a limited number of them, especially if you're only playing Mono Black, let's say. But again, if you want to play this card, Desert of the Glorified starts looking really good because you can sacrifice it and put some negative one, negative one counters on this thing. Apatra really likes this. So just some, you can kill a creature or you can just put some negative one, negative one counters on an opponent creature you want to, to nerf a little bit. Just some in, interesting... Uh, interesting synergy there definitely different than cabal pit so but it kind of does the same thing next card up we have a reserved list card this one comes out of alliances it's about 100 bucks and that is lake of the dead lake of the dead would enter the battlefield sacrifice a swamp instead if you do put lake of the dead onto the battlefield if you don't put it into its owner's graveyard you can tap to add a black or you can tap and sacrifice a swamp to add four black there's a reason why this card is a cdh playable card the fact you can sacrifice a swamp is really nice to be able to give yourself a uh, calling the weak. So the four, uh, four black, excuse me, four black mana ability for, for basically two, you, you pay in two, you sacrifice a swamp, you gain four mana. It's really nice to be able to have that. Now you do have to tap Lake of the Dead. So you can't do this over and over and over again. But if you do need a short burst of mana, like it really helps the CDH, um, it's just really a nice utility to have on a land. Now, it does cost $100, so, again, it's fairly rich, but if you have the money, um, it's it's a pretty good card. Next up, we have about a $5 card out of Zendikar Rising, something I do actually have a copy of, and that is Malakir Rebirth. Um, do have Malakir Meyer, comes to the battlefield tapped on the one side for the land, but uh, Malakir Rebirth, one mana instant, says choose target creature, you lose two life. Until end of turn, that creature gains when this creature dies, returns to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control, Really nice just to be able to recur one of your creatures, which is going to get blown up anyway. You pay a little bit of life, one mana. It, it's a really nice going rate for this. You have a land on the other side. There's really no downside to playing this. So Malachi Rebirth is a great card. Five bucks now, so it's not, ex <coughs> not exactly the cheapest, but it's a really nice card to have. Next one up is Memorial to Folly. This one came out in Dominaria. It's about 10 cents. And it enters the battlefield tap, tapped out of black, and you can pay two black and tap Memorial Fall and Sacrifice it to return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Again, kind of expensive for that sort of effect, but the fact that it's on a land is really nice. I, I think 
it's really important to note that, yes, while all of these cards are over-costed for what they do, the fact that they come on a land is really nice. They give you that modal ability. Because I've talked about how much I enjoy modal cards before on previous episodes. And the fact that you have that modality on a land is really nice. So I, I honestly think that these cards don't see enough play. Yes, four mana is going to be a little bit high of a cost for this sort of effect, but the fact that you really can't have it be interacted with is really nice. So uh, just definitely think about these cards when you're building another deck, and if you want to have an ability, there's really little downside to this one. Yes, it enters the battlefield tapped, so yes, a basic swamp. 50% of the time, let's say, would be better, but the fact is 50% of the other time, um, your basic swamp is not going to be able to get a creature card out of your graveyard and return it to your hand. So... It's just nice to have these sorts of modal abilities available to you, even if you don't use them in every game. The next card we have on here is Mortuary Mire. Enter's Battlefield tapped, which you're going to see a lot for these non-basic lands. When Enter's Battlefield, you may put target creature card from your graveyard on top of your library. Obviously, we just talked about Memorial of Folly, returning a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. This one will just put straight up on top of your graveyard. You can add tapped at black. Really nice card to have. Uh, especially if you have ways to draw that card. And yeah, the the ability to move it from your graveyard to the top of your library cannot be understated. Super cheap card, just really nice way to be able to get that off a of land, and one, especially one that taps for black. Definitely an underrated, underplayed card, and super cheap too. I mean, it's 12 cents for the original version. Seriously, if you want a free version of this sort of effect, just pick up a copy of Mortuary Mario. You'll definitely be happy you did. I'm not going to talk about Peat Bog, and that's the one with the uh, depletion counters on. So we're going to move on to Palaka Predations slash Palaka Caverns. Again, another modal dual fetch card in Arizona's Battlefield tapped. Um, sorcery side for the Predation, some creepy art. Um, target opponent reveals their hand. You may choose a card from it with converted mana cost three or greater. That player discards that card. Again, some hand attack comes with the land on the other side. Probably more of a limited card, but, you know, nice to have. Next card on here is another CDH playable card, and that is Phyrexian Tower. I think it was, yeah, it was just reprinted recently in the, what was it, in the new Jumpstart? Well, anyway, it's Jumpstart, the list, Secret Lair dropped, so a lot of interesting reprints. The original comes back from Urza Saga, and you can tap to add a colorless mana, which is always nice to have, or you can tap and sacrifice a creature to add double black. Again, the ability to have a sacrifice outlet on one of your lands, while also just being able to tap to add colors, is real nice. Because you get a death trigger, you get a couple black mana. It's just really nice to have. So a very good card. There's a reason why it's expensive. Next one up here is one that I've been trying to find a home for. Haven't quite found one yet, but could be useful. And that is Piranha Marsh. Piranha Marsh enters the battlefield tapped, and when it enters the battlefield, target player loses one life, and you can tap to add black to your mana pool. Always nice to just be able to ping one of your opponents when you play a land, right? Definitely not something that they're going to expect too often. Next up, we have Polluted Mire. There's Battlefield Tap, tapped out of black and cycling for two. Again, if you really need to go two or three deep on the cycling lands, it's nice to have this one. Next one up is Shizo Death Storehouse, and this was the cycle lands out of Champions of Kamigawa. You can tap to add a black, or you can play, pay black, excuse me, a tap and target legendary creature gains fear until end of turn. So it can't be blocked except by artifact creatures and or black creatures. 
That's a really nice evasive ability right there, especially if it's on your commander and you have some sort of combat damage trigger. Fear makes it very difficult to block your commander, and there's a reason why this card's 30 bucks. So, I mean, I mean at least the Champions of Kamigawa version. Obviously, there are cheaper versions. But yeah, it's, it's just a really nice card to have if you have a commander that wants to get through to do some damage, and it only costs two to potentially make your creature unblockable. That's a very good going rate, especially on a land, too. Next up, we have Spawning Pool. Spawning Pool comes to play tapped. Surprise, surprise. Tap dead, black your mana pool, or he has an activated ability. You can pay one and a black. Spawning Pool becomes a 1-1 one, one black skeleton creature with pay a black. Regenerate this creature until end of turn. It's still a land. I mean, you know, it's got an interesting ability. Not quite sure exactly what I would do with it, but again, the fact it's a man land is really nice. And the fact that it can regenerate itself is, is also pretty nice. So if you need to use it for blocking, you make sure you don't lose it. I, I think that's definitely what's nice about this card is if you absolutely... It's nice to have a blocker available. So if, if you need to block to survive an attack, you can pay one and a black, turn it into a skeleton creature, and then pay another black to regenerate. Make sure you don't lose your land. Just, you know... A, it's the kind of card where it doesn't look, look very good on the face, but in certain situations, it can definitely save your butt. So that's Spawning Pool. We're going to skip Subterranean Hangar. So then we're going to go to the new legendary land, Channeling Lands from Neon Dynasty, and that's Takanuma Abandoned Mire. Uh, add tap out of black, you can channel, pay three black, discard Takanuma Abandoned Mire, mill three cards, then return a creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to your hand. Just talked about this a, a minute or two ago with Memorial to Folly. This one's going to cost a whole heck of a lot less, except for the fact that you need to have it in your hand, so it's a little different. But again, you can't really interact with it. This ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control. If you control your commander, three mana to return something from your graveyard at hand. Also gives you a nice Stitcher Supplier effect. You can mill three. Really good card to have for, for self-mill, for returning to hand. Uh, yeah, and, and also, if you need to play it, tap that black, so just really nice. Next up, we have a card from the 40k Warhammer deck, uh, so I'm not familiar with this one. It's Tomb Fortress, enters battlefield tap, tapped out of black. Activate ability, pay two black, 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 tap it, exile it. Mill four cards and return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate only as a sorcery. Okay. Uh, costs six mana, but again, it's very difficult to interact with, and if you have something in your graveyard you really want... It's nice to have. Next up, we have Tomb of Urami. It's the legendary land out of Saviors of Kamigawa. And you can tap to add black your mana pool. It deals one damage to you if you don't control an ogre. A lot of ogre synergies back in that set, so I can definitely see why that it was that way. You can pay black, two black black tap and sacrifice all lands you control. Put a legendary 5-5 black demon spirit creature token with flying named Urami into play. Again, if you have some interesting synergies, some ways to be able to get lands back from the graveyard, this actually is the worst uh, worst thing you can do. I could definitely see this working in uh, landfall decks where you have the ability to be able to return all of them to the graveyard, or from, from the graveyard to the battlefields. Plus, you get a funky 5-5 token with flying. So, probably the kind of card that's 8 bucks just because it's rare. But, you know... If you find a really good home for this, uh, could be interesting. Next up, we have Unholy Grotto. It's a land out of Onslaught. Seems to be a lot of lands out of that set. 
You can pay to or tap to add one color to your mana pool, or you can pay black and tap to put target zombie card from your graveyard on top of your library. To play in zombie decks, it's really nice to have this ability. And the fact that you can do this over and over and over again is also really nice. Unlike uh, like Mortuary Mire, which only does that on ETB, and Holy Grotto can do this every turn. So definitely nice to have that, and there's no timing restrictions. Next up, we have Urborg, the original legendary land out of Legends. Very interesting art. Uh, you can tap to add black to mana pool, or you can tap the target creature who loses first strike or swamp walk until end of turn. Probably not going to see a whole lot of swamp walk out there, but again, being able to force one of your opponent's creatures to lose first strike could be worse. And just, yeah, very, very cool art. Next up, we have Vault of Whispers, Artifact Land, Adam Mirrodin. Taps to add black to your mana pool. It's not a spell. It's an Artifact Land. We've talked about this. I'm going to skip out. I'm going to skip Vivian Marsh. <clears throat> now we're going to go on to the last two cards in this list. Volrath Stronghold. Part of the reserved list. Stronghold version is about 100 bucks. Tap to add one near mana pool, or you can pay one black and tap it to put target creature card from your graveyard on top of your library. There's a reason why this card is so dang expensive. Um, <clears throat> target any creature card, unlike Unholy Grotto, you can put literally anything on top of your graveyard. Or sorry, sorry anything... Literally anything from a graveyard on top of your library, excuse me. <clears throat> and you can do this every turn, real nice. Last card on here is Zoff Consumption slash Zoff Blood Bog. Edge Battlefield tapped on one side or a sorcerer on the other side, costing four black black. Each opponent loses four life and you gain four life. Again, <clears throat> just nice to have mobility. So those are all of the mono black non-basic lands. Obviously, this list is really highlighted by Cabal Coffers, Cabal Stronghold, and a few other things. But, <clears throat> really, black lands in this cycle <clears throat> have a lot of really cool abilities, whether that's hurting your opponents, whether that is uh, setting up mono-black big mana, whether that is helping you self-mill or get a payoff for self-mill, like Stack or Salvage, Crypt of Agadim. Um, or whether that's protecting one of your creatures, Malkia Rebirth, sacrificing a creature with Phyrexian Tower, Lake of the Dead, a a ability to recur cards with Unholy Grotto, Volrath Stronghold, Mortuary Mire. Just <clears throat> Mono Black has so many different abilities, so many different cool things you can do with your land. You can even play Tomb of Arami and sacrifice all of your lands to create a 5-5 five, five Flying Demon. I mean, there, there's just so much cool stuff you can do. And all of these cards really do well in mono black. I, I think that's something that we haven't seen on this list before, and we're not probably not going to see from any of the other uh, colors. You know, for the for the most part, <clears throat> is the fact that a lot of these black basic lands really want you to be playing mono black. There is a huge incentive to play mono black. I mean, obviously with Cabal Conference and Cabal Stronghold. You want to have swamps or basic swamps out there, as many as possible, to be able to get as big a payoff as possible. And you're not going to get that if you're playing two or more colors, necessarily. Especially with Cabal Stronghold, where it says basic swamp. So it's just really interesting to see how Black wants you to really play mono Black. Like with Lake of the Dead, sacrifice a swamp to be able to add four mana to your mana pool. Um, Just... So many different things you can do with these with these cards. And yes, there's a reason why a lot of them are expensive. 
a lot of cards in these lists, and you have at least two reserve list cards, you have a bunch of rare lands from Kamigawa, you have a bunch of old lands, too. <clears throat> but just there's so much you can do with these lands, and it's just so cool that they want to incentivize you to play mono black and not play multiple colors. I'm going to say that I personally find playing monocolored decks in EDH a lot easier than two or more colors, is the reason why I build a lot of monocolored decks, and the fact that these black, a lot of these black lands give you those incentives to play uh, monocolored or even two-color decks is really, really cool. And I think it's something that uh, it'd be nice to see from the other colors once in a while to, to give you some extra value for, uh, for choosing to play one or maybe two colors. So anyway, that is my review of all the mono-black dual lands. Next episode on the series will be red. So I'm really looking forward to doing that, and I hope you tune in for that episode. Uh, now we've reached the end of the episode here, I'd like to give another huge shout-out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over at patreon.com slash mtgingquarantine. So another huge round of thank yous to Mr. Big Benz, Anomaly, Nick S., Frugal Brutal, Jenna the Filthy MTG Casuals, and Coach J-Row for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash mtgingquarantine for more information. And you can check my stuff out over on Twitter at, at mtginquarantine. And you can find the podcast on the usual podcast outlet that says your Google, Apple, Spotify, Player FM, Rocketcast, Pocketcast, Overcast, Breaker, and a million others. I never remember all of them, but if it's a major podcast outlet, you found the right place. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the MTG in Quarantine podcast. My name's MJ. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.